church. How are we doing this morning? Great. Well, I'll wake you up in a bit. Amen. <laughs> um, I want to uh, take a moment here and think, well, let's, let's go to our legacy. <laughs> Do we have that up there? Yes, we added six more chairs this week. <clears throat> so 42 chairs left. Amazing what God is doing in and through his people. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, I believe we can make this and exceed this, this goal. You can as a church, and I believe that God, for such a time as this, has put this upon us. That means he's going to enable us to do it. Can you say amen? amen? Thank you. Just thank you for your giving. Uh, just a, a recap on uh, we had the uh, Veterans Day. There was part of uh, 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 this past Thursday, but Wednesday was the 10th of November, and we had our Marine Corps detachment birthday banquet, and I just want to personally thank uh, each of the sponsors. You could just, uh, if you hold your applause, because many of them came from Church for the Harvest. We had 125, the largest at the banquet. This is our sixth year. So I want to thank the Church for the Harvest and Giving, Heritage Transport, Tim and Karen Wagner, John Albers, uh, the Coddington Company, Jack and Julie, Don and Michelle Greiner, Mark and Diane Mittendorf, Cassandra Ray, and then there was anonymous donation. All made that banquet a huge success. Let's give them a hand. Thank you. Thank you for your, for your giving and, and your generosity. Uh, many Marines were there, and, and it was uh, all the way from uh, Second World War, Korean War, uh, and to uh, uh, Afghanistan and Kuwaiti and uh, uh, Iraqi war, and so uh, it was a, a, a wonderful time. Amen. Well, let me just take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing as we continue to share here this morning. Father, I humble myself before you. And Lord, I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Spirit, Lord, you know exactly what we need to hear today, so I ask that you Speak through me and give to your people, Lord, as, as we speak about America and the, the state that we're in. And, and Lord, this message is it's not just for our church body, but I believe it is a message for today uh, for America. And Lord, that we would just have ears to hear and receive it. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen, amen. amen. I, I'm talking about blessed is the nation. This is the second week. And I want to talk to you about something as is in my prayer. I really believe there's a message for for today, uh, and it isn't a big revelatory. It isn't a real deep revelation. It's very simple, basic three points. I will have three points for you in a moment, uh, but it's something that uh, that's stirring in my heart because there's something I, I really feel led to get into in this series in these next few weeks that that was new to me as I delved in about our our nation and, and its foundation and founding and how God was really involved in the beginning uh, with, our, with this, the forming of America. But uh, uh, our text is Psalm 33, 12. Blessed, somebody shall blessed, is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he choose or has chosen for his inheritance. And, and some translations say, what joy for the nation, or happy is the nation. The Lord blesses each nation that worships him only. He shows us that all our happiness stands in this, that the Lord is our God. Can you say amen? Say, so, well, Pastor, we don't really feel that happy right now. Well, I think in many ways we have fallen uh, way woefully uh, short of that high calling that God has called us a nation, and we're coming back. 
We're coming back in Jesus' name. Psalm 11.3 says, if the foundations of a godly society are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We'll touch on that in a moment. Just quickly recap. You know, we talked about, about the judgment hand of God and, and why isn't it fallen on America and when you consider the chaos and <clears throat> the evil and the abortions and the anti-God attitude that has enveloped the United States in the recent years. And, but I believe, and I said this last week, that, that America, in a real sense, we are a firewall against global tyranny, that our military is a firewall against tyranny. And here's the thing. If we, as Americans, cease to be strong, <clears throat> if we cease to be uh, America, that we were at first, I believe the whole world globally it will suffer. It matters in, in the direction that America goes. Can you say amen? I mean, for, for no other reason than that, we must care about our country. We must care about our country. Can you say amen? And so uh, we talked about also uh, this thing with judgment and the long-suffering of the Lord. There's a scripture that we had in 2 Peter 3.15 and says, consider the patience. Somebody shout patience. I'm thankful God is patient with me. Come on now, aren't you thankful that he's patient with you, that he doesn't execute judgment, you know, uh, immediately and swift, <clears throat> even on our nation? Uh, we know that it's impending unless it turns around. Consider the patience of our Lord, his delay right there in judging and avenging wrongs as salvation. Do you get that? As salvation, that is allowing time for more to be saved at the heart of God is people that are lost, that don't know him, that would fully come to a place where they recognize him as God and Savior and Lord and King, receive him into their life and that they would serve him and they would become a child, a son or daughter. That is what God is after. God is after sons and daughters. Do we have any sons and daughters in here? Amen? That's what he's after. He's after family, all right? He's not wanting to, he said when he came, Jesus came not to bring a, a, a sword and judgment. He came to bring salvation when Christ came right? And so <clears throat> we see that God is looking for those to freely choose to follow him, that he would have a family. And so he delays the judgment. He delays uh, 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 executing that over, or, over nations. And, and I thank God for that. So let's just continue here with the time that we have left and go back to Psalms 11.3. If the foundations of a godly society are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Back in 1884, the Washington Monument was uh, erected, and I believe it's 555 feet and a quarter of an inch high. But on top of it, there's a, a, a monument that's made of pure aluminum. I'm told it's 100 uh, ounces, which was very expensive back then. And on it is this phrase, Las Dio, which means praise be to God. I don't know if you knew that, but that's on the Washington Monument, facing east. And at times when they did some construction on it. They wanted to remove that. And, but they had enough sense, some of the leaders, to say, no, leave that on that as it faces east. Praise be to God. At that time it was built. It was the highest structure in the world. Highest structure in the world. And going back to our foundations, the kingdom of God, I believe, is currently at war with Satan's plans. How many know that Satan also has plans? He has plans to destroy. Uh, that's his plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. But God also has plans. And God's plans can prevail and will prevail if God's people want them to. Amen? And so, uh, and let me just say this. Our rights are not given to us by man. Our rights come from God. Our rights, they come from God. 
um, and so when we read this psalm here about the a godly society, society and the foundations being destroyed, uh, David is, has this in this psalm as he has a plea to the Lord. And here's what it assumes uh, as I look at it. It assumes, watch this, that the righteous, somebody shout the righteous, are called to act. They're called to act with the focus of the Lord. It says, Lord, what can the righteous do when the foundations are removed? And then he goes on to say, God is in his temple and on his throne. And what's interesting is, how would David know that, that unless he was staring straight at the throne room of God? He saw into the realm of the spirit. So what am I trying to say? In the midst of him being surrounded by enemies, being surrounded by conflict, uh, David, the warrior, the king, he always kept, watch this, he always kept his eyes on the Lord. And so was, must we here in America. Keep our eyes on the Lord. Can you say amen? And so this spiritual war for our nation, it must be won. It must be won. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I believe that the, there, there's a, the Christian righteous, the, that many of them, they've dug in their heels. They're not gonna compromise. Freedom is coming because I, in this season, God really is, he is shaken. See, I started a series when we uh, actually closed uh, just for those few weeks uh, last uh, March when we, we, we heard about this pandemic, as, as, as most all churches did, that, that we're all gonna die. You know, everyone's gonna die. And, and, and so we shut the doors and anyhow, we reopened Pentecost Sunday and we're gonna stay open, amen? amen. I'm just telling you that. But, uh, uh, you know, I started a series called That God Has Shaken Us to Awaken Us. And he's still shaken to awaken many pe people. And, <clears throat> but um, uh, it assumes this here, verse about David doing something, or the righteous, let me just say that, doing something. <clears throat> the righteous doing something. Freedom is coming, once again, but God is separating sheep from the goats. You know, there's so much now we know that we didn't know what's going on in our public schools, what our kids are being, can I get an amen, being taught? What's on the Zoom meeting when we look, what, what, what are they teaching you? What have you been going every single day? You know, what's happening in our government? Things are being uncovered. And God is shining a light saying, hello, wake up, take back your country for the kingdom of God. And we'll I'll temper that and what all that means in Lord willing in the weeks to come. But God is separating sheep from the goats and, and the power of God, I believe, is gonna be manifest over America. I believe that. <clears throat> you know, we're not building a building so it'd be empty. No, we're building a building for the harvest. Harvest for your children's children. Okay, your grandkids. You think, oh, what a cute little grandchild God gave you that for. He or she's for the kingdom of God. And for the purposes of God, you don't know what kind of evangelist, preacher, teacher, you know, businessman, businesswoman that'll invest in the kingdom, will bring in souls to the kingdom of God. Amen. Every child that is born uh, for the righteous, God has a righteous plan for them. Can you say amen? <clears throat> and so, so, but we're, we're in a battle. We're in a battle in this season, but it's not a battle with weapons. It's a, it's a battle with words. It's a philosophy of life. <clears throat> Thinking in 1776, a pamphlet titled The American Crisis opened with the memorable phrase, and it's a quote by Thomas Paine, these are the times that try men's souls. These are the times that try men's souls. He wrote this in the crisis December 23rd in 1776. Thomas Paine was an England-born political philosopher and writer, and, and he supported the revolutionary causes in America and in Europe, and and in 1776, he, he published um, the international acclaimed Common Sense 
and was his first pamphlet to advocate American independence. But in American Crisis, he writes this, and I'm just gonna read this, as I find this interesting. He said, the summer soldier of the Sunshine Patriot, that's not us here, the summer soldier and the Sunshine Patriot, I mean, we don't have limited sun in the, in the summer. He said, will in the crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now, or she, deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Amen. It is a, a, a dearness, he says, it is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom, freedom, excuse me, should not be highly rated, amen. In that same year, America officially declared independence and our great country was born. Now, I know there's some controversy, and you hear that out there, that surrounds the biblical justification for the American Revolution, and, uh, but the founding fathers did not initiate the conflict. They believed that they had biblical justification for their actions. The founding fathers viewed the uh, revolution as a defensive conflict rather than an offensive war. And America, not unlike today, was at a crossroads. But today's battle, once again, is over words rather than weapons. And what do we need to rest our life and hope upon and go back to what I believe they did? The word of God. God's word remains our only hope. God's word remains our only hope. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? <clears throat> um, the pan, you've heard this statement, is mightier than the sword. I, lo I looked that up, and uh, it's a statement by an English author, Edward Lutton, back in 1839, and he actually used it in a play. And it's actually true. The word of God, it goes, it's a reference back to Hebrews 4.12. How many know the Bible says the word of God is quick? and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Everything that we have today here as harvesters of the church came about because of the word of God. That's amazing. Without no war, no you know, conflict in per se, and, and everything that's being built is because of the word of God. Can you say amen? God's word is our hope, and we need to get back to that. And so, although the history of America is marked with disappointments, Yes, there's tragedies and mistakes and failures. We can still unapologetically proclaim the truth behind its success. And what is that? It's obedience to the word of God guided by humility. That has been the mark of our success. Can you say amen? But here's the thing. Tragically, today in America, God's word has been removed from the courtroom to the, from the schoolhouse, from Washington to the White House. And what happens and we have seen is that men think that they become women. Children think they can choose their sex. Come on, you got awfully quiet here this morning. And what we think today is, is, is insanity. It's not insanity, it's depravity. Okay, it's depravity. That's what we're faced with today. Depravity, we have suppressed the truth, pushed it down or away. And the Bible says when you do that, you reap the whirlwind. The Bible says in Romans 1.18, see, this is a message for the church in general. Amen? The church in general. That when we dishonor in Romans 1.18, our body and exchange the truth of God for a lie, we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says, as a result, God literally gives us over to depravity. Wow. That sinful acts 
the fruit of a depraved nature. Proverbs 4 talks about that, Mark 7. And so what happens is many of us uh, feel like we're living kind of like in the twilight zone right now. Have you ever thought that? Like, what is going on? On. We see, you know, critical race theory, abortion on demand, unthinkable perversion in the entertainment industry, silence about sex trafficking, all of this stuff, and, and, and this spectrum of depravity seems to have no end, on and on. And, and, and let me just say this. Yes, it is true. I think about it, it's like, okay, I put myself now at my age here now in this time, and then growing up as a kid, and then those that were before us. It is true that the temptation is constantly before us. It really is. I mean, the things that there are people are tempted today with back in my day and age, and you know, without the internet and cell phones, I mean, none of that was there back then. Satan still tempted people. Come on, you know, people still, you know, transgress. But you know, we're we're you know, with the the internet, social media, and this present culture, all these things, they they're neutral, but many of them used to capture our souls. Okay, how many still with me? Say amen. But here's the thing. is that, Pastor, it's so difficult. It's so hard. So hard to try to live for God. Temptation is so strong. My question is, without social media, without Hillsong, come on now, without your daily app and your daily, how did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do it? How did three teenagers whose names were changed into demonic deities stand up before a tyrant and do the right thing? How did they not go back? Come on now. And this go online and post on Facebook the struggles that they were going through. And they didn't have any of that, but they stood strong. If they can do it, we can do it. We're under a new covenant. We're under a new grace. We have the power. We have the presence of God in our spirit, man or woman. The Holy of Holies resides within us. Amen? Amen. If they can do it, we can do it. Hallelujah. They stood strong. You know, recent news in a recent video, teacher at a California high school bragged on a TikTok video about, video about her having her kids say the Pledge of Allegiance. Some of you may have seen that. But it wasn't to the American flag. It was to the pride flag instead. See, so no matter how dark it gets, we need to cling to the light of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and people that have made up minds. Can I get an amen? You know what a made up mind is? You're not wishy-washy. You're in. You're all in. And no matter what, you're in. You've made up your mind. And that's the season that I believe we're in. As a season of shaking. It's a season of that God is saying, where are you at in your faith? Um, but we cling to the light of the cross and the path of God's absolute truth. God's word is always our only hope, especially in these times that I believe that are, that are really testing and trying our souls. And once again, I go back to the war we're at is not with weapons. It's not, you know, the, 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 we've seen some of that even in the news and in, 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 in some legal cases. And, but really, it has to do with words. It has to do with a philosophy of life and what Satan's trying to do to destroy our country. How many with me say amen? amen. <clears throat> um, you know, most conflicts begin with words. Isn't that right? Hey, would you say what? I'll tell you what. I remember the first fight I was in. I've never been in a fight that I've instigated. It's always come upon me. I'm just like, and I'm not a guy that's the fighter. I avoid it, and I try to talk it down. But I was a little kid. I was in sixth grade, and <laughs> I remember the bully in the community, and it would come. He came to school one morning, and my sister uh, wore a pair of pants. They were orange elephant pants. Come on, somebody. 
You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're walking with two dresses. Well, this kid came with the same pants. <laughs> and the bully. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I knew it was happening. And I was a shy kid, and, and she ran off, and he's like, what you doing wearing boys' pants? She's like, what you doing wearing girls' pants? That started the whole thing. He grabbed her hair, threw her against the telephone pole, then my sister. I had to do something, and I did something, not because I was a tough guy. I did something because I was afraid of my dad. If I didn't do something, so I went in and kind of pushed that thing back and, and, and settled it. But you know what? In, in many Cases you can resolve with the right words. The Bible talks about seasoned with grace and humility. Seasoned, oh, I didn't think you'd like that. I'm gonna be talking about that here. Seasoned with grace and humility. So how do we accomplish this difficult task of speaking the truth in love? I mean, have you ever thought about that? How do you stand and how do you say in, in, this, in this culture? Uh, how, how can we be bold but not arrogant? Right? Tol you know, tolerable but not tolerate sin that it's thrown in our face. So speaking in truth and love, it's, so here's some basic, basic, really ABC simple things that maybe I'll elaborate a little bit on here, are ways to help us find the balance. Find the balance. Number one, the first I would say is deep humility. Humility is, it's deep humility. It's not an option. Humility is essential in this season. And I'm gonna talk about what it's not first here in a moment. But I see a lot of, angry posts that are out there. Uh, I try to avoid it. Uh, I'm not a social media guy because then there's just more uh, attacks. <laughs> I mean, but there's a lot of angry posts and tweets, and uh, but there's not really a lot of people out there weeping over the condition of our nation. A amen. In our church. And uh, that, that's, that, that, that I think God is, is changing. You know, and, and many Christians, they're, they're busier than ever. But, but, but a lot of us have a little, little time for God. Well, the amen's just dried up right there. I'm not talking about you. You're here in church, you know, but this is a message, all right? Come on now. <laughs> How many know pastors that you need to have to jumpstart a car, positive and negative messages? Come on. You can't just say with that positive post all the time. <clears throat> if it speaks to you, if it doesn't speak to you, it doesn't apply to you. Just shout, amen, pastor. That doesn't apply to me. <laughs> that's how you jump in. You know, that's not you. <laughs> uh, we have full stomachs, but empty hearts. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. You know, grace can be measured just, just one level. There's measures of grace. I don't know about you. I need the full cup of grace. I, I need all the grace. He gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says what? God opposes the proud, but he shows favor. He gives more grace to the humble. Mm. Psalm 25, 9, he said, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. I want to know the ways of God. I want to know how to act in this season righteously. Can you say amen? That we got to be humble. Now, here's what humility is not. It's not low self-esteem. It's not forgetting your worth, having this timidity. It's not walking around with feelings of inferiority. Or when you're complimented, you hear this a lot, that was a great job, whatever. It's all God. No, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Yeah, it was all God's grace and gift on you, but you were obedient. You studied. You practiced. You sang. You disciplined. You played the instrument. So come on now. Amen. It's, it's all the Lord. Well, <clears throat> people often think of humility as loving oneself less. But watch this, in a sense, this may be a challenge, it's learning how to love yourself and others more perfectly. If you don't love yourself, you won't love your neighbor. How you can go love your neighbor if you don't, amen. 
<laughs> true self allow true self love allows you to love your neighbor perfectly. What is true humility? Well, humility means living in the truth. It's practiced in silence. You know, the Bible writes about, and it's actually Moses writes about he was the most humble man in all the earth. How do you write that about yourself? <laughs> I guess he was, but <laughs> I'm the most humble. I would be scared to ever say that publicly. I'm not. I wasn't saying that about me. <laughs> uh, how many with me say amen? But it's practiced in silence. It, it, it's the, it comes with the word authenticity. That, 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 that kind of humility, authenticity. People often think of humility, once again, as loving oneself less. No, true self-love allows you to love your neighbors perfectly. Uh, humility means living in the truth. It's practice in silence. It is living the truth about oneself. Watch this. It is centering our lives on God and not on ourselves. So if you want to be able to be a person that says, you know what, I, I struggle with that, how we center our lives, our whole universe is around God and his purpose for our life. That's true humility. So we see in this season, humility, it's not something that we get away with. It's not, it's not an option to do away with. Number two, boldness must come from the right heart. Luke 1941. Leonard Ravenhill, great fiery preacher, often said that we must weep before we whip. You know, there's a lot of whipping going on on social media. I tell you what. And you know what I like to hear? I like to hear when after I preach messages, people talk about those that make comments and they say, you know, Pastor Mike said, I was gonna go back and I was gonna give them my mind and I didn't. I've heard that a few times. I go, praise the Lord. Some impact happened. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, all right? Again, and there's times you have to stand. I'm not saying that there isn't, but, uh, and, be, and be bold in, in what that means. But boldness must come from the right heart. Luke 19, 41, the Bible says, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, and the Bible says he wept. Somebody shout, he wept. He wept over the city. What are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? Before he went in, a few verses later, to the temple to bring the whip out, and clean the temple out, which he had authority to do, he wept over the city. He wept. Boldness comes from the right heart. You know, sadly, some Christians are either whipping or whining. <laughs> Very few are spending time weeping before God, mm. seeking a broken and a contrite heart. And it's sad, but that's, you, we wonder why some of our prayers are not answered without the spirit of humility in this moment. You know, there's an old-time gospel song uh, that I've heard it sung, and some people have sung it very powerfully. Uh, it, it's called Standing in the Need of Prayer. And uh, some of the African uh, gospel singers, and they sing it, it's very moving. And part of the lyrics go, Lord, it is not my brother or my sister or my mother or my father. It's me, O Lord. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And that, that speaks to me, that speaks to me. You know, when you say, Pastor Mike, you know, so what, you know, what is the boldness? If you think of in uh, the New Testament, Paul, uh, there was a, a disruption in Ephesus and it had to do with uh, uh, a, a lady getting saved and uh, their goddess Diana. And so the whole city converged in a amphitheater and they began to cry out and scream out for two hours 
Think how demonic that setting was. Great is the goddess Diana of Ephesus. Great, and they're screaming, and some people tried to calm them down. They wouldn't listen, and Paul was there, and, and they actually tried to physically restrain him, but Paul said, let me go out there. I want to speak to them. Friends, that's boldness, okay? So bold, it's not timidity. He was bold in the spirit because he knew he had the truth, and it was right but his heart was right. How many with me say amen? Brokenness and boldness go hand in hand. Without a broken heart and boldness can become brash. Our boldness become harsh. We can become severe, cruel, angry, impatient, and even obnoxious. Somebody say amen. All in the name of Christian courage. We don't want that, and we don't want to be that. So boldness in this season, it has to come from the right heart. And number three, once again, these are just very simple, ABC. Our hope is not in politics, but in the power of the Spirit. Now, let me just, I'm speaking about America here, and I, I consider myself a patriot, but many Christians in this season are trusting in the wrong things. I'm gonna say, our gun safes are, safes are full, but our prayer closets are empty. Yes, I just said that, amen? <laughs> I'll walk by the ammunition and see the shelves are empty. Okay, uh, I'm not anti-gun, all right? <laughs> I believe in the Second Amendment, come on. But, 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 but what about prayer? What about the kingdom of God and the things? Oh, that was a heavy one there. Amen. Got a little ruffles right there. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 4, 28 and 29. The Bible says, And there you will serve man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. But if from there, if from there, he says, you will seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart. We are in a season, we don't want to trust in the wrong things in this season. We've got to keep our focus on the Lord. Amen? So once again, I'm not against politics. I believe God's word has a great deal to say about leading people correctly, and I am addressing some of that in this series in our nations. But here's the thing. Politics alone is not the answer. That may have rattled your cage, but, you know, but I, alone, seeking God with our heart, soul, body, mind, and strength is the answer. Answer And the churches that are on fire, and, there, and, and there's, there's passionate men and women in those churches, that is a stay for wickedness in a nation. And I'm going to prove that in the weeks to come as I talk with you how in our, in our, our early foundation as a country that was prevalent in the churches. Um, let me just say this. The inflow produces the outflow. And what we put into our, amen, what we put into our spiritual life, and I'm guilty at this time too. You know, sometimes we just veg, right? We veg and, uh, you know, too much TV or whatever and too much news, too much bad stuff. And we, what we put into our spiritual life, we're gonna get out of it. And, and let me break it down to a simple statement. I, I, I've used this uh, when I was a youth pastor for many years for the youth. And it's a statement I put up there for hunger for God. If you feed it, it grows. If you starve it, it dies. <laughs> That's a very simple, I've, I've memorized that. If you feed it, it's going to grow. Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about here today. I don't have really much passion for God. You know, if you, what are you feeding on? I can guarantee you're not feeding on the things of God. Well, I don't have a desire. I don't have a hunger for that. That's why. We have to reevaluate where, you know, our faith in Christ, where we're at with the Lord. How many with me say amen? So if you have Zippo for passion for God and you have a me, myself, and I focus, amen. <laughs> it's awfully quiet, <laughs> awfully quiet. <clears throat> you know, I, when I wake up every day, I don't have to pray, Lord, please teach me to be selfish today. 
I need my wife to grow in her faith and love to me. Please teach me to be set. Come on, somebody. And she doesn't wake up and say, God, please. He glows in the dark. Please make him selfish today so I can learn some things, so I can be a spiritual woman. No. I'm naturally selfish. Come on now. It's awfully, man, it's so quiet. This everybody looking forward like, oh God, he's reading my mail. The Holy Spirit knows how to read our mail. I'm just, it's just incredible. I wake up and selfish. It's not about me. What about, amen. Somebody say amen. That was a good point. If you feed it, it grows. If you starve it, it dies. Being passionate, passionate about prayer. You know, you're invited. And some of you have your own time and place and whatever. But you know what? We have uh, Saturday mornings here. This is an option for you and your family. And maybe twice a year, you show up with your whole family. What would that be novel? Come to a Saturday morning prayer and just come forward and we lay hands on you and pray for you twice a year. Maybe that's too much. Maybe once a year. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out. Options. Options, and I know, you know, people have stuff and they're going and not everybody can make that, but it's there. We want you to know that prayer is a focus of harvest. We need God. We need to seek him more than ever in this time. Can you say amen? We need to be intentional about, about our worship and, and be intense about seeking God. And you say, well, I'm not. Stir that back up. Stir that back up. I remember Pastor Steve did an illustration, great pastor there to Destiny Church, and he took some, some of that frozen orange juice, you know, the, the one that's not the pure premium, you know, the, the nasty stuff, he keep add sugar to it, that, and he would stick it in a jar, and he filled it with water, and he's like, that's like a lot of times it's Christians, and you try to pour it and say it's orange juice, but it's, just, it's not mixed. The Bible says that we, watch it say, we ought to stir up the gift of God. So when we come to church, even though our shoulders may be down, a difficult week and our knuckles dragging, you know, and we're waiting heavy, we are to stir up. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to praise God today. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to get that spirit of heaviness off of my life in Jesus' name. I'm going to think God's thoughts. And, and you know what? God has a purpose and a plan, and he's moving forward. He has not forgotten me. We're stirring that up. You're stirring up the gift of God and be amazed, even like Chris Pratt, you'll, get an, you'll be, feel like you're an overcomer. You know, just going for a run, listening to worship music. Can I get an amen? Being intentional about that. See, here's the thing, friends. The future, I believe, of our nation and the church, it may depend upon us as an individual. We seem to think we are nobody, that we can change nothing. Who are we? Those are lies. Having a vibrant church and churches in this community is a state of wickedness. It really is. It doesn't mean that the wicked not get more wicked. That's what they do. And once again, we're not surprised when people that don't know the Lord sin and they do wicked things. That's what they're supposed to do. They don't know God. Let's not get mad at that. It's, I mean, that's what sinners do. It's like, whoa, how could they do that? Because they don't know God. Amen. I don't know why, but that's a revelation statement. We need to seek God as never before. So in conclusion here, stand with me if you would, please. Is American crisis? Yes, there is a crisis mode in our nation. But the question is, will we fight spiritually? Spiritually. That's what I'm talking about. This is a spiritual battle for our nation. Or we're going to withdraw. What can the righteous do? The righteous can do a lot. We can do a lot. And it really boils down to us individually, individually. We can point at and say everything what's wrong with our country, but it goes back to the song, it's me, O Lord. 
Come on now, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And, and before I wanna point at everything else that's wrong, I have to, Lord, where, where am I not being humble? C come on, somebody, where, where am I out there with the whip whipping around? Where am I out there on some, you know, political whatever, a high horse? And Lord, am I, am I, is my heart right before you? How many with me say amen, church? And so I don't believe we're called to back away. I believe we're to step up to the plate. I believe as a church, we're gonna persevere. We're not gonna retreat. I believe that we are called as harvest as watchmen and women, and we are not cowards. We, you are not cowards. You are God's men and women. You could have been born at any time, any time in this season. You could have been born and you could be this age back in the 1900s. And you'd have been a different battle. But God saved you for this time because you're not cowards. There's something inside each and every one of you that he knows, I need you born in this season and I need you to operate in your gift in this season. Somebody say amen. These are all the questions I believe we should be asking. And you know what? We don't have to lose our souls and our nation in Jesus' name, even though they're trying times. Um, there was a quote, and, and Lord willing, I want to get into this here as I conclude. Um, <clears throat> this Alex D. Tocqueville, he was a... Uh, he was a French uh, polit uh, political thinker. He was a historian. He wrote volumes, a couple volumes in his, uh, on democracy in America. And they sent him to America back in the 1830s, the French government did. And they wanted him to look at our penal colonies and, you know, find out about our prisons. And you know, what's the mystery about the success in America? I mean, uh, we're going through all this hardship and why this, you know, forming nation is growing and it's succeeding. And, and so he, he spent countless hours and days and, and, and many months here in this country. And he traveled the whole country, traveled the whole country. And then he writes... Uh, and I believe I, I've downloaded the whole Democracy in America, both volumes. It's almost 500 pages, and it's massive what he writes about. Touches on all aspects of America, what he saw coming to this country uh, from France. And he he's kind of sums it up, the secret at the heart of America's success. And we found it's to be seen now, to those who fact check, that it was someone else that was brilliant. He summarized what he wrote in this chapter 9 in the book about a religion in America. And this is what he says. Now watch this. And, and here's the thing. Politicians have quoted this. Ronald Reagan has. Bill Clinton, Pat Buchanan, and, and many more have quoted this, that it was of him. But we found and know the facts are that someone that was really brilliant wrote this about a summation of what he wrote in that chapter. He says one of the favorite quotes runs, runs as follows. He said, this is his summation. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodities, her harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, commerce and it was not there. In her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness. Did I understand the secret in the genius and power? Wow. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. 
you see why it's so important for us as a church to be passionate on fire for God and the things of God. That's the staying power. That's the turning point. Not a limp-wristed, broke-down, weak church. A powerful church. A church that has the Spirit of God within it. A church that has not just one person that's serving God and the rest are dragging their knees. Everyone is passionate. Everyone is seeking. Everybody is leaned in and saying, I'm all in. I'm all in to the things of God in my life. It's me, oh Lord. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Every head bowed, please, this morning. I believe he clearly saw that it was the goodness of America's people that made America work. And that that secret to our freedom was our virtue, meaning what? Our culture, its shared values. But it, it wasn't necessarily just our beliefs, but it was in our behaviors. Wow pulpits aflame with righteousness. Father, what a bold statement. Lord, let it be known above. We humbly ask, Lord, for harvest that we would be people aflame with righteousness, Lord. Many ways we don't even understand what that means. Lord, help us to comprehend. Help us to be a people, Father God. You've called us for such a time as this, in this season, to be heralders of your truth with humility, with boldness, trusting only in you and your word, Father God. Let that be evident among us as your people, as believers. Lord, save America. Save our country, God. You're here this morning as a pastor. I'm now right with God. I need to get right with the Lord. This is a great time. This is a great day. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Say, what do you need to do? Take a moment. Pray with us as we pray corporately for you to receive Christ into your life, that God will come and he will live within your spirit man or spirit woman. But you have the authority to let him in. It's not enough to just mentally assent and say, I will believe in God or the man upstairs or some great force that's out there and he's not in your life. You can receive him in your life, but you have to let him in. You have to invite him in and make him Lord and Savior. And watch what he will do when he does. He will help you. If that's you, let's pray together. Say with me, say, Jesus, I repent. I'm a sinner. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross 2,000 years ago. To pay for sin. Jesus, I receive now in my spirit what you did on the cross for me. In Jesus' name, I declare Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, if you pray that prayer and you meant it, God meant it. And we want to help you on your journey. We have uh, ways and means to help disciple you, help you grow in your faith, get you plugged in. Amen, church. Amen. Thank God. I just really felt God was He's bringing people in this season. He's bringing them in. We may not see it, see it as a you know, as a, a like a magnitude of hundreds and hundreds at this time, but you're going to see constantly more and more people, I think, coming in, coming in. You're looking around and going, wow, look what the Lord has done. And it's going to be a lasting. It's not going to be a bright burning star and burnout is going to be a lasting movement. I really feel that in this season.